Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Hey, check out, if you'd follow me on Twitter, I sent out a couple tweets that contain some videos that we're going to be talking about during the course of the program. If you don't follow me yet, well, what's going on? You can check it out. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. One of them involves... Well, a story about something that happened in Philadelphia the other night, um, and it's going to be the source of a huge nationwide conversation. We'll get you ahead of the curve on that. And the second one is something we're going to talk about in about 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, There was a massive lawsuit filed a couple months ago by a woman who alleges that she was, well, essentially assaulted by President Trump. The court has kicked out the case, threw it out, but uh, the Trump campaign yesterday released a video of this contact, and you can now see it and judge for yourself. I will describe for you what happens um, in there, but if you want to get a head start again, follow me at Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ, and uh, you can see the video um, as it's been released. Now, like I say, the lawsuit that was like a 45-page federal lawsuit essentially alleging sexual assault, it's now been tossed out. The question is, why should it be followed in the first place? But first, we th- this is in the category of no good deed goes unpunished. Our number, 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you have been stuck in traffic in the area over the course of the last half hour or 45 minutes, 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it lightening up? Have things gotten better? Um, where? How long have you been stuck? Now, of course, what's going on here is President Trump has landed in Milwaukee. He's, his motorcade is on the way, or I think it's probably arrived now, to a house in Fox Point where they're having a big fundraiser and all the roads have been closed. Now, this is particularly sensitive because, again, in the category of no good deeds goes unpunished, this morning... It was kind of take your wife to work day. And my lovely and charming wife, Fran, she, she came in to work with me. We took two cars because um, she was lending her voice to a, a an ad that's going to be running sometime in the near future. So she came in. So we, we did the recording, you know, and then she left. And about you know, she left about 1030 and about uh, 1130. The phone, my phone goes off and the note is I can't get home. Now, I, I live in Ozaki County. We live in Ozaki County. And all, pretty much, if you're trying to be in the North Shore, the freeway had been closed. You'd have all the major access roads that, that are closed. People are at a dead stop or they're turned around. Um, and it's been going on that way for, you know, about an hour, hour and a half. Now, I don't know if they have temporarily opened up the roads again, but if they have, you know, they're going to close them again pretty soon because as soon as the fundraiser is over, the president is going to be moving. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So, again, if, if you're driving around the North Shore, 
you you have not been able to get very far over the course of the last hour or two. And I would assume that if they've opened up the roads, they're going to be closing them again in the near future. But have you been stuck in traffic this morning? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Kathy in Fox Point. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Okay. How bad was traffic this morning? Um, I went to a travel agency in Bayside un, uh, unbeknownst to me what was going on and they closed the parking lot when we were in there. So we were stuck for about an hour and a half at the agency while they closed all the parking lots and they just recently opened it up as his motorcade went by about maybe 20 minutes ago. So you were kind of a, you, you weren't, it wasn't that you had options to like go an opposite direction. You weren't going anywhere, huh? We were closed in, as were people in the gas station across the street and Starbucks and restaurants, and we were on lockdown for at least an hour. Huh. Yeah, and again, see, I guess I'm really torn on this type of stuff because every time a president comes to town, you get the presidential motorcades and you get traffic that's rerouted and stuff, at the same time... If I had some place to be, and all of a sudden I've, I've got an appointment at 10 o'clock in the morning or 10.15 at a travel agency, and then I find that I'm stuck there for a couple hours, I'm not going to be too happy. Yes, there definitely were some unhappy people that were professionally dressed and had to be on their way. There was a mailman stuck there, a FedEx truck, a delivery pizza guy. <laughs> ah, well, you know, it, it's, I'm, actually count, I'm actually thanking my lucky stars because after my wife and I got done with this taping, I actually had an errand that I was thinking about running that would have taken me downtown, and it, it would have been okay. Under normal circumstances, I would have had a no trouble getting downtown, doing this, and still getting back with plenty of time to do the show. My guess is if I would have left, I don't know, we might have dead air right now because I'd probably be stuck <laughs> down going, I can't get back. Thanks for the yeah, call. Yeah, no, it's, it's sure. no, it, thanks. I mean, so it, it sounds like it's clearing up a, a little bit. And, and look, I understand this is the type of inconvenience that comes when you have the president coming anywhere. But when you do this in the middle of a day, it is particularly disruptive. And candidly, this has been disruptive. Now, I've got a text saying, you know, what do you think the headline in the Journal Sentinel is going to be? Is it going to be um, President Visits Wisconsin or is it going to be Trump backs up traffic for miles? And the answer is, in all honesty, it's probably both stories. You know, it's the president visits Wisconsin and, you know, um, everything's backed up for miles and miles and miles. And it's one of the things that just, I guess, happens. It, it's there's nothing you can do to avoid it. Although, quite candidly, you would hope when they do presidential visits, you would at least try to be a little bit mindful of what it is going to do to traffic when you you come in at the beginning of a day, especially if you're doing it for fundraising purposes as opposed to, I don't know, making a major policy announcement. So we're going to continue to keep you posted on all the things that are going on on the roadways. There's also another accident or one of the freeways. We'll keep you all up to date on that. Um, but be prepared for delays. If you're going to be in some of the areas where the president's going to be traveling over the course of the next couple hours, um, just be prepared because just like Kathy, you could be stuck somewhere for an hour or two hours. Pretty scary. We're back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Should there be consequences for lying? Even if you're lying about somebody uh, like the President of the United States, 
Now, look, let, let's understand this. The president of the United States has a tortured history with women. There, there's no question about it. And you've got a number of women who over the years have made complaints about, you know, his his conduct. You've had the whole Stormy Daniels thing. You've got all that type of stuff. So the president has a certain reputation. And, of course, after the Access Hollywood tape aired when he was running for office, these are comments he made, you know, 10 years before that. But after that aired, it cemented, at least in some people's minds, the fact that, you know, President Trump, at the time Donald Trump, billionaire real estate developer was a a scoundrel and a dog and somebody who did not respect women so ever since then it's pretty much been fair game on president trump and anybody who wants to come forward anybody who wants to make any sort of allegation is in many cases treated credibly all right which brings us to the story of a former trump staffer named alva johnson now this got a lot of attention when the lawsuit was first filed. So so here's the deal. She's a volunteer and back in 2016, you know, she's she's a volunteer for for the Trump campaign. And she files a lawsuit several months ago alleging that she was at a rally for Trump in February of 2016 and he gets out of the RV and her allegations and it's it's a it's I read the lawsuit this morning. Her allegations are essentially that he he grabbed her, held her hand and gave her this unwanted kiss and that she was just disgusted, felt terrible about this, went through all this anguish. And of course, the Washington Post jumped on this story. A number of other outlets jumped on this story. Oh, the president's being sued, et cetera, et cetera. Well, apparently, unknowns to Alva Johnson, there was there there's a there's a video of this. It's like a 15 second video of this. She files her lawsuit. The lawsuit was dismissed last month. The judge tossed it out, saying, um, "You know, we, we've seen this, and and this is clearly this is clearly a political type of lawsuit, and whatever is depicted in here, you know, doesn't amount to any sort of tort or wrongful touching or whatever." I have, again, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I've got a link to this video. It's a, only about 15 seconds long. And what you see is then-candidate, now President Trump, he's he's walking, and there's this receiving line kind of of people, and there's th- this this woman there, and she's, she's telling him, actually, what she's saying to him is, you know, go kick, you know what. You know, she, she's encouraging him, and he reaches over, and he kisses her on the cheek. And then th- that's it. And, sh- and she's just excited and they move on. You see this video and it's very, very clear that th- there's no unwanted touching. There's no grasping. There's no grabbing. She says that, oh, she was humiliated by this and that, that now, I mean, it, it's just terrible. And, and, and she's, she's just having all these nightmares and things like this. Now, of course, she, she waited until you know, this year to file the lawsuit. But you look at the video, and it's very, very clear that, you know, this this did not happen in the way that she describes it. You see the video, and you have somebody who's, you know, in the receiving line. This is their candidate. They're thrilled, and he kisses her on the cheek, much in the same way that you may, I don't know, that, that you may embrace Somebody, you know, some people are huggers and kissers and others aren't, but there's no grabbing, there's no groping, there's no planting a kiss on the mouth. It's just 
kind of like I would describe it as busing. You know, they, they, they kind of bus each other. She files this lawsuit. It has now been tossed. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, I understand that Donald Trump brings some of this stuff on himself. And I understand that there are some people out there who want to believe the very worst. But when you file lawsuits alleging that things happened and they simply didn't, even if it's against the President of the United States, you know, should there be consequences? Should you have to pay lawyer fees? Should you be held accountable in some sort of ways? Or is somebody essentially like Donald Trump, is he essentially... Well, defamation proof. Can people make any allegation they want against him and then we're supposed to believe it? And even if it's proved wrong, we just have to say, okay, well, that, that's President Trump. If he didn't do this, he must have done something else. 414-799-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And the reason I bring this up is because you see more and more of these type of allegations out there in public life. And some, of course, have merit, but a lot of them don't. And unfortunately, there's no consequences often to people who bring frivolous claims, who make outlandish challenges without proof, who try to destroy people's reputations. And maybe in the case of President Trump, you can't do anything to his reputation. But but this is the this is the standard we live in. And here you have some woman who files this, like I say, 20 page complaint in federal court seeking all sorts of injunctive relief and damages. And it's all B.S., you know, should people be held accountable for making bogus claims? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my answer would be, yeah, whether it's against Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump or your next-door neighbor, right? Th- this idea that, hey, I, I want to get my 15 minutes of fame, so I'm going to jump on this bandwagon and I'm going to say that I was assaulted and it was just terrible – when it didn't happen, yeah, I think you need to be held accountable. If you're on the line, hold on. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Brewers fans, join us at the Waukesha Meyer this Saturday from 11 to 1. You can meet Freddie Peralta, get an autograph, and you can also enter for a chance to win tickets to an upcoming game. That's this Saturday from 11 to 1 at the Waukesha Meyer. All Brewers fans are welcome. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I understand that, that President Trump makes himself an easy target for these things. But, you know, regardless of whether it's President Trump or you or me or Joe Biden or Ron Johnson, the, the reality is there needs to be consequences when people come forward and they allege misconduct and then, for example, in the case of this very, very highly publicized situation, big stories in the Washington Post, etc., by a woman who just was flat out lying, alleging that, well, there was this improper contact, contact with the president. Well, they got a videotape of it. It's 15 seconds. It shows clearly that this wasn't an example of inappropriate touching. She's a campaign aide. She is thrilled. She's telling President Trump, I, I just, I love you. Here, you know, go, you know, go kick butt. And she didn't use the word kick butt. She's just excited to be there and he shakes her hand and he busses her, kisses her on, on the cheek. She's just absolutely thrilled. Two years later, when she doesn't get a job in the Trump administration, she files this massive lawsuit. Now this video surfaces proving that, again, she made the entire encounter up. 
Uh, here's a text. Jeff, I look forward to the zillion or so lawsuits against Joe Biden. Well, yeah, that's that's the idea as well. You know, and, and again, it's this kind of gotcha thing. You're going to see that if Joe Biden stays as the Democrat frontrunner. You know very well that some of the stuff that came out about him before, you know that that's going to be recycled. And you know that there are some people who don't like Biden because they perceive that he's the wrong gender or he's too old or he's not the right race or whatever, or he's just out of touch. They're going to be the ones that are going to be out there trying to target him. The long knives are going to be out. And, oh, here, this is this is Joe. Look, it's this improper touching. And don't get me wrong. When you have politicians, men of power in particular, who engage in improper behavior, it needs to be called out. All right. But at the same time, when this stuff doesn't occur, when it's fabrications, I think there needs to be consequences for the people that are making the accusations that turn out to be false. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes. It's an interesting story. I will describe it if you want a little bit more background. It's something that happened in Philadelphia the other night involving a carjacking. I've got a link to the story and some video up on my Twitter account. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Join WTMJ's Melissa Barkley tomorrow afternoon from 1 to 3 to celebrate 100 years of the West Dallas Farmer's Market. That's right, Southeast Wisconsin's largest open-air farmer's market is turning 100. There will be giveaways, live music, food trucks, and much more. That's this Saturday from 1 to 3 at the West Dallas Farmer's Market. Don't miss it. Okay, this is your chance to be the prosecutor. This happened last night in downtown Philadelphia. Here's the deal. 25-year-old woman has three kids under the age of five in her car. They're all her kids. She is going about 9 o'clock at night to visit her boyfriend, who's the father of two of the three kids. He works at this pizzeria, pizza shop in, in downtown Philadelphia. Okay, she pulls into, you know, she pulls into the parking lot outside the pizza shop, right? She goes inside to visit, visit her boyfriend. She's in there for just a couple minutes. Now, in the interim, and this is not a smart move, all right, but we're not going to talk about whether this is the mother of the year. She leaves the keys in the car and she leaves the car running with the three kids in the car as she leaves the car to go into the pizza shop to visit her boyfriend. Okay, she goes in to speak to her boyfriend, and in the time, the brief time that she is in the pizza shop, because this is Philadelphia, just like this is Milwaukee, the same thing could possibly happen, a 54-year-old guy sees, sees the car running, sees her get out of it, 54-year-old guy jumps in the car and steals it drives off with the car running and the three kids inside. Okay, follow me on this. The the boyfriend, who's also the father of two of the three kids who works at the pizzeria, he sees this happening and he starts running after the car. It's it's actually a van. Starts running after the the, the car as as it's driving away. All right, so he's chasing it on foot. The guy drives about half a block before he gets stuck in traffic. So there's like nowhere to go. So the father, okay, he's able to catch up to the car because the car gets stuck, you know, in in a traffic jam. So the dad on foot, the guy from the pizzeria, is able to catch up to the car. 
he pulls the carjacker out of the car and begins hitting him. The carjacker then gets into a struggle, gets away, runs about another half a block, where the, the dad, the guy from the pizzeria, continues to chase him. He catches him again, and he starts punching him. Right? They're, they're in this fight. Okay? Follow me so far. Well, what happens next is there's another, there's a group of, like, bystanders, you know, from, from the neighborhood who see this all going on. And, you know, I, I guess they're able to tell from the conversation that the guy, the dad, has caught up to a carjacker and he's wailing on him. So what happens is a number of other people who are on the street, they start wailing on the guy. So now you've got three or four people who are, or maybe even more, they're kind of kicking and they're punching the guy. All right. Then the police arrive. And as it turns out, okay, after the other bystanders have joined in the attack, medics respond to the scene. They find the car thief unconscious with severe injuries to the head and face. So they load him up. They take him away in an ambulance. They take him to the emergency room where he is pronounced dead. So as a result of the injuries he sustained when these people were wailing on him as he was trying to get away, He's now dead. So the woman and her boyfriend have been taken into custody for questioning. And right now, they're not sure whether they're going to issue, they being the authorities, any sort of criminal charges at all in a circumstance like this. All right. Those are the facts. You be the prosecutor. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you do in a case like this? And, it, and it's not just, you know, what might be the letter of the law, but, you know, if you bring charges as a prosecutor, what, what is likely to be the outcome? Guy jumps into a car with three kids under the age of five, tries to drive off. The father of two of those three children chases the car on foot, catches up, ends up beating the person who stole the car. Other passersby join in. They beat him, and the guy who's carjacked the thing in the first place, he ends up dead as a result of the punches and kicks. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you where I come down on this, but this is one of these topics I am I'm fascinated to know how you would react to it. Is there some other, I, I think, is there some other detail that you want to know? Although I, I think it's pretty self-evident, you know, what ended up happening here. Do you charge the do you charge the father, the guy who pulled the carjacker out of the car? Should he have not chased after the car? Should he have, you know, after he got the car back and pulled the carjacker off, should he have not continued to pursue him? Should he have not fought him? Do you charge the people on the street who apparently joined in on wailing on the guy when he was on the sidewalk? Do you charge him with murder? Or is this... You know, is this just what happens when you decide to steal a car with three children under the age of five in it? Is this just kind of the risk that you face? What do you do with the fact that now you have a carjacker who's dead? Do you try to hold somebody accountable? And if you're on a jury and you try to do that, is there any way that these people get convicted under these circumstances? 414-799-1620. I want to take your temperature. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
Boy, our text line just exploded. I'll, I'll read several of them over the next couple minutes. But here's one. I would have reacted the same way the dad did to protect my children. However, not to the extent the dad did. To, to continue to hunt the carjacker down and beat him rather than trying to contain him until the police arrived was too far. Since he did continue to beat him up along with other people, they should all be prosecuted. That's what Sherry says. Let's start with Dave and Appleton. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Dave. I guess what's the difference between now if I'm the father and it's my kids in there and I pull on my concealed carry and shoot him dead, you're not going to charge me with murder. Nope. Uh, not, not even a little bit. I guess the, the, the problem I have, I guess, is, okay, if I pull him out and beat him to death is one thing, but when the neighbors come over and help, that's when it gets a little gray area, and I uh-huh. would think the neighbors would be in more trouble than I would be in. Well, you know, I guess, I guess maybe. Okay, so you're the DA, Dave. Uh, Dave let me put another. Let's say, let's yeah. say you charge you charge the bystanders, you charge the people that were on the street. All right, now you're on the jury. Okay, you hear all these different facts, and the guys say, "Yeah, well, all right, we we knew there was this fight. We knew this guy was a carjacker. We knew he had taken the kids. Yes, and you know we were trying to subdue him, and yeah, we were punching him. Uh, we you know we didn't intend he was going to die, but he was struggling. We were punching him. Is there any way, as a practical matter, you think a jury of twelve convicts anybody of this? No. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't have. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- thanks for. I mean, I that <clears throat> this is one of these interesting times where you know you say, I guess. At some point in time, you, you can certainly, I think, make the argument that there's no problem at all with what the dad does up until the time he catches the, the car, the guy, he drags the guy out of the car. So at that point in time, the threat to the kids is over. There's a struggle. The carjacker is still trying to get away. I think you can make every argument that under these circumstances, you don't have to just let the guy run away. And the issue, though, becomes, all right, once once you've got him held or once the, the mob kind of gathers around, at that point in time, do you just hold the guy or do you continue to wail on him? And, and clearly, I think as a matter of law, you, you hold him. You don't continue to wail on him. But in the real world, in the real world, is anybody going to convict somebody uh, of a crime under circumstances like this when you have a carjacker who just stole a car with three kids in it? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Alex in Milwaukee. Hi, Alex. You're in WTMJ. Alex. Okay, let's try Clint in Milwaukee. Clint, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Clint. Uh yeah, I think definitely no charges for the father. I think if someone takes your kids, uh, you have to do what you have to do to subdue them. Uh, but that the mob mentality, I think you have to charge like manslaughter. Um, I don't think you'd ever be able to prove whose punch right. killed the guy. So uh, I, I think the message needs to be sent as, you know, we're not going to do this whole mob mentality, you know, mob justice. The father had every right to do what he, he needed to do, but the mob needed to just kind of back off, I think. Okay, let me ask you the same question I asked our first caller. Um, you're on this jury, and you, you have, you, you, let's say you, you, fi- you find the five or six people that were involved in kind of wailing on him, too, while he was, you know, while he was struggling with the father. And they all say, well, we didn't intend to kill him. You know, he was struggling. We were just trying to subdue him as a practical matter. Do you think 12 people would agree beyond a reasonable doubt that the the members of the quote-unquote mob were guilty of a crime? 
Uh, I think it depends on what you charge. I mean, I don't have a law degree, but sure. I think, you know, murder has a higher threshold. I think if they charge manslaughter, from my understanding, mm-hmm. um, you, you could possibly convict with that because, you know, it was involuntary. Okay, fine. Yeah. You didn't mean to, but that's what happens when the mob justice kind of mentality takes right. over. Well, th- this is what I find to be so interesting about th- this case because – you could turn this into a law school exam, and you know if I were taking the exam, I could, I could. I mean, there, there's all sorts of questions you could ask. At what point in time does the father's actions move from being reasonable to unreasonable? What about the mob, etc.? At the same time, there's also this real world thing out there, and I have to tell you, um, unless there's something more compelling, I'm. I'm not sure that you could convince a jury of 12 people in Milwaukee or Philadelphia that they're going to convict the people of of any sort of crime at all. And, and yes, they were ended up wailing on him, but their story is all going to be, well, he was struggling. We were trying to subdue him. Nobody intended to kill him. Uh, here's a text, Jeff. No jury will convict. No charges will be forthcoming. Charge the dead guy with the act of a felony. Kidnapping happens to me as the pizza guy or the witness. Uh, so it goes on to say that. Um, let's see. Now, another texter, the, the father left his kids alone back in the car to chase after the carjacker. I think that speaks to a motivation that he intended to kill him. Well, I don't know if it speaks to a motivation he intended to kill him, but he clearly intended to not let him get away. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to John downtown. John, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, John. I wouldn't, I wouldn't convict anybody of anything. I am so tired of this crap in the city of Milwaukee. Well, this is Philadelphia. Let, let's, we, we lay a lot of blame on stuff that goes on in Tom Same Barrett's Milwaukee, Milwaukee, but this is Philadelphia, okay? But, okay. you know, same thing happened in Milwaukee. My buddy's uh, wife was carjacked. There was a newborn in the backseat. He took the newborn out of the backseat. There was a newborn in the, in the street in the city of Milwaukee. Just a newborn in the city. This is city streets of Milwaukee. Right. In the middle of the street, and they just kept going. Whatever happens to them, that's what they get. If I'm on the jury, I don't convict anybody of anything. I don't care. Yep. Okay. Now, thanks. Well, and I think I think there's a lot of people that that feel that way. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> uh, and and that's 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 kind of the sense that's there. And by the way, I th- this is one where if they decide to issue charges, I, I can understand why you could make a legal argument for like an aggravated assault or something like that. You're not going to get murder charges, but you could you could make a case for like an aggravated assault. I don't think under these circumstances you're going to bring this type of case, though, because I, I just I really doubt whether in today's day and age, and this is not an endorsement of vigilantism or mob justice or anything like that, this is a situation where I just doubt that you, you're going to be able to secure a conviction because I suspect there's going to be a lot of people on that jury that says, all right, after this guy made the decision to jump into a car and drive off with somebody else's vehicle with three small children in it, you know, and then try to drive away, well, he pretty much gets what he deserves. Now, we don't have the death penalty for carjacking. Don't have the death penalty for carjacking, so that doesn't make it right. Let's talk to Scott in Milwaukee. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Yes, you are endorsing vigilantism if you don't charge him. Well, what if you're not going to be able to get a conviction? Well, that's. but you're not asking that question. You're asking the question, should we or should we not charge him? We have to charge him. We have to charge the mob. As much as vigilante justice feels good to the human being here, 
um, and to the and to society and and what we're seeing happening in Milwaukee or Philadelphia or, or wherever or, or any urban uh, any urban area, we we still have to charge them. We still have to let. That's our process here. That's like that's something we can't let this country go. You know, go down and ride that slope. If the guy, if their story, if, let let's say you're one of the the quote unquote bystanders, and you know, the story that they then tell is, hey, we saw this fight that was going on. We knew the guy was a carjacker. We were trying to subdue him. He was struggling. We didn't intend to hurt him. We didn't intend to kill him, but we were trying to get him to stop fighting. All right, if that's their story, is there any way you think the prosecutors get a conviction? No. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to be convicted. You just, I, think, you just think that they have to issue charges to make the point? That you could easily get one person to say not guilty. And I think you'll get more than one person to say not guilty in this in this instance. The, the, but you asked the initial question: Should he be? Should the prosecutor bring charges? The, the answers to that question in in the in the United States is yes, absolutely. You bring the charges and you let the jury decide. Okay, no thanks for the call. No, and I appreciate that. Uh, here's a text from let's see, Mitch and Waukesha. My opinion is that people are sick of our court system being so lenient on people that steal vehicles. Um, then they're back out on the street the next day. So finally, one of them steals a car with kids, and you know they they got kicked, and unfortunately, they they, they died. Well, maybe the lesson that should be learned is don't steal a car. I don't know if they're going to issue charges or not, and I guess part of it is going to depend. I don't know. Right now, there's no video of this. There's almost always video at some point in time, so I don't know how extreme the beating was. Was the carjacker still fighting? Was he still struggling? You know, what was going on? I don't think he was hit with a baseball bat or anything like that. I think in many respects it's going to depend on how extreme the contact was. I will say this. If they bring charges, I think it's I think it's really it's going to be an uphill battle for the prosecutor because as a number of people have expressed, whatever the state of the law is, and you can turn this into a law school exam, the reality is I think a lot of people are going to say, all right, you know, you you carjack a vehicle with three small kids in it and you try to flee and then you fight the father if bad things happen you kind of just get what you deserve now that's not the law but it might be reality bottom line is don't steal cars and none of this happens i'll keep you posted on whether they decide to issue any charges against anybody all right when we come back alex acosta is gone are you happy president trump and paul ryan round three or four or whatever and something they're calling the milwaukee slide stick around this is jeff wagner live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now here's wtmj's jeff wagner eric if during your newscast you heard a noise that was distracting to you that was my head exploding i I was i was listening to the the section that you played covering the the trial of the guy who murdered the Milwaukee police officer, mm-hmm. who I I admit I'm surprised that uh, I am surprised that John that Jordan Fricky testified. I didn't think he was going to get anywhere near the stands. But okay, for for people, let's just review the bidding and bear with me for just a sure. minute because I want to make sure I heard I, I heard what he said in your newscast. Now now here here's the background of this. This Jordan Fricky is uh is a gun dealer. He is a drug dealer. 
The house, this apartment he lives in is like an armory. His girlfriend testifies a day or two ago that he's got an AK-47 on the bedpost. He's got a shotgun that's positioned next to all his video game controllers. This is the same woman who stays there with her seven-year-old son. I'll leave that one. I kind of float in the air for a little bit. And guns all over the rest of the house. Okay. So what happens is the police get a search warrant. And because they know there's drugs and guns involved in this stuff, it's a no-knock search warrant. So they go out at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's not 4 a.m. or anything like that. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. They bang on the lower door, police search warrant. They knock in the back door. Now, his apartment is upstairs. They run up the back stairs into the, the kitchen area. They are screaming, police, police, search warrant. Fricky gets up. He's got his AK-47, his high-powered rifle, and, you know, as the police are using this battering ram, he starts shooting indiscriminately at the police through the door. All right, so that, that's kind of the, the background. His story is, well, I, I wasn't sure it was it was the police. You know, I just, all, all I knew is that, you know, somebody was coming in, and I decided to, to shoot. All right, his attorney, Michael Chernin, I've known Mike for years and years, in that clip you just played, asked him about, did you have any concerns about crime in your area? And his testimony was essentially, well, yes, I was worried about crime. Is that an accurate thing? You want to hear it? Yeah, play it again. Play it again. you have some concerns about crime in your area? It's definitely crime in the area. Were you concerned about crime in your area? Yeah, because you're living there. For God's sake. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who either completely and totally lacks self-awareness or is a complete hypocrite. Were you concerned about crime in your area? Damn right you should be concerned because you might have been the biggest criminal in that area. You've got dope. You've got thousands and thousands of dollars in illegal money hidden that the police didn't find the first time. You've got guns, and the evidence is that they're even trafficking in guns. Yeah, are you concerned about crime in the area? There's definitely crime in the area area damn right there's crime in the area that would be because you live there (sighs) i i I, this is one where see being a prosecutor is a young man's game i always tell that i i you know i I was in the u.s attorney's office for like 12 years i absolutely loved it people say would you like to ever go back and do that again i say no it it was a young man's game because you know you have to put in really really long hours and stuff but i i have to admit if I had been the prosecutor this morning when the guy says, oh, yeah, I was concerned. There, there's definitely crime in the area. I, I I would not have been able to keep a straight face. No kidding. There's crime in the area. You're there with your dope and your guns and your illegal money. OK, this is one. And again, the jury will probably get the case later on today. There's going to be, uh, you know, the, I think they're getting ready to go into closing arguments now. You, you, you know, you will go broke predicting what juries do. But in this particular case, his defense is essentially, I am a criminal. I heard people yelling police and search warrant. And so I just decided because, well, I didn't know if it was police or not. I was just going to start indiscriminately shooting at the people that were coming through. All right. Th- this to me. Now, again, I don't you never know what juries are going to do in this particular case. But this to me, this is a verdict that comes down in about 10 minutes because you send the jury back to the room. Chances are one or two have to go to the bathroom. That takes a few minutes. Then what happens is it takes a few minutes to elect a four person. Then you vote. I will tell you, if this isn't a conviction, 
what you're essentially seeing is you're seeing people that are authorizing open season on police officers because this is going to now be the new standard. Well, I, I, I live in a high crime area and gangs break in and dope dealers rob each other and gun dealers rob each other. So that then means, oh, I, you know, I, I didn't know it was police, even though they were saying police and search warrant. I'm just going to be able to shoot. Did you have any concerns about crime in the area? Well, yes, there's a lot of crime in the area. No kidding. When we come back, when we come back, Paul Ryan, President Trump, we'll talk about it. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Um, Yeah, the wheel and sprocket thing, that's going on also tomorrow. Join our very own Melissa Barkley, 1 to 3, to celebrate 100 years of the West Dallas Farmer's Market. That's right. Southeast Wisconsin's largest open-air farmer's market is turning 100. There will be giveaways, live music, food trucks, and much more. That's this Saturday from 1 to 3 at the West Dallas Farmer's Market. Do not miss it. All right. Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House. Let me give – let me do my disclosures. I um, I have known Paul Ryan since he first ran for Congress. As a matter of fact – I headlined one of the very first fundraisers he had before he was in Congress. I am a huge fan of Paul Ryan. I have been a huge fan during his entire tenure of Congress. I thought Paul was one of those guys, is one of those guys, who, when it comes to understanding the way government works and understanding budgetary stuff, Paul Ryan, is, is he's, got the, he's the smartest guy in the room. He really is. But he's also got a good way of not, like, making you feel bad because you're not the smartest guy in the room. So I'm a huge fan of Paul Ryan, which isn't to say that I agreed with him on everything. But I think I think he did a great job as the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee. He would tell you, I think, that his biggest failure was an inability in all the years he was in Congress to be able to get an agreement on Social Security reform. And I think that's unfortunate because I think it's going to hurt a lot of people, including people who are in their 20s and 30s and 40s that we haven't been able to reach an agreement on the train wreck that is coming with Social Security. Um, Paul Ryan is a is a policy wonk. Being the Speaker of the House of Representatives is a thankless job. It is like herding cats. But nonetheless, I, I think Ryan did a good job with that. All right. Paul Ryan and President Trump have always had a fractured relationship. Ryan wasn't a Trump guy during the campaign. And what's happened over the course of the last couple days is that Paul Ryan, apparently a while back, sat down and gave an interview to a guy named Tim Alberta, who's a writer for Politico. And there's this new book that's come out called American Carnage, which is not a flattering description of President Trump. In the interview, um, Ryan, you know, talks and this this is not a secret, by the way. I mean, this is a lot of this stuff, I think, has been reported before. And a lot of us who were around in 2016, you know, knows it. I mean, Ryan says stuff like, you know, we'd gotten numbed by by it all. And, you know, not in government, but where we live our lives. We have a responsibility to try to rebuild. Don't call a woman a horse face. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't cheat in anything. Be a good person. Set a good example. You know, and he's talking about how difficult it was, you know, dealing with Donald Trump, who he didn't think, you know, made any of those characteristics. He said that, you know, when when I was in Congress, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to stop 
President Trump from making bad decisions, you know, all the time. They talked about, you know, he talked about how, hey, we, we'd go over there and we try to, like, run the numbers in front of him and we'd have these pie charts and things like that. And and just Trump wasn't interested in, in any of this. And then he talks about, and this is not Ryan's words, but it's the words of the writer, how um, essentially Paul Ryan, who retired in 2018, it was, this was the escape hatch, that he just couldn't deal with, dealing with Donald Trump anymore, and he decided to just kind of get out. All right, so that that's the book. Trump, of course, President Trump, never being one to, I don't know, let anything go, has now launched into, as he comes to Milwaukee, Paul Ryan country, a, a series of, of attacks on Ryan. Here's some of the things he tweets out. Paul Ryan, the failed vice presidential candidate and former Speaker of the House, whose record of achievement was atrocious, except during my first two years as president, ultimately became a long-running lame duck failure, leaving his party in the lurch both as a fundraiser and a loser. Trump says that I warned Mitt Romney that he would lose to Barack Obama if he picked Ryan as a running mate. When Mitt chose Paul, I told people that's the end of the run. Um, Let's see. Trump suggested that the real reason that Ryan retired is he knew he'd lost the support of his home state. He quit Congress because he didn't know how to win. They gave me standing O's in the great state of Wisconsin and booed him off the stage. He promised me the wall and failed, but it's happening anyways. And you you get the idea. It's gotten worse since that. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, none of this stuff is really a secret if, if you were around politics, you know, two years ago. The fact that – and if you know Paul Ryan, who's basically the ultimate straight shooter. You, you know, you can disagree with Ryan's politics or whatever, but he's basically the ultimate straight shooter. And, you know, President Trump – merits, strengths, weaknesses, or whatever isn't. That, that That's just the reality. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A lot of, again, what we're talking about, the interview that he gave and then Trump's response, this, this goes back a couple years. But my question is, who comes out ahead on this? Has Ryan hurt his legacy? Or do you think... At some point in time, in the near future, the distant future, um, is Ryan going to be respected for being a statesman? Or is he going to be seen as, okay, this is this guy who couldn't work with an incredibly popular president, who was the Speaker of the House when the Democrats you know, took over in 2018, who bailed? What's Paul Ryan's legacy going to be? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Like I say, if you've been around Wisconsin Republican politics over the last couple of years, the fact that Paul Ryan and President Trump didn't get along, the fact that Paul Ryan was very frustrated as a Speaker of the House by having to deal with President Trump. The fact that Paul Ryan, as a as, as a straight shooter and a really decent human being, was offended by, like, the Access Hollywood stuff and, and all that, it, it's not a surprise. So right now, this is now bubbled over. You have comments that Ryan apparently made in an interview with a book that's coming out soon. President Trump is retaliating, saying this guy was atrocious. What's going to be the legacy of Paul Ryan 
long term. Let's start with Tony in New Berlin. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Tony. Um, what I expressed to your call screener is that uh, myself and, and a lot of other people that I know expressed a lot of frustration with Paul Ryan. He's a great guy. He's got nothing but integrity. He'd be a great judge or a great prosecutor. But it, to be Speaker of the House, you have to be able to give it out a little bit, especially to the other side of the aisle, especially when you know they're going to do it to you. And a lot of people are very frustrated with the fact that he didn't go after Democrats a little harder, like like they're doing after us right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Do you think that Paul Ryan was the reason that the Republicans lost control of the House in 2018? I think a little bit of it because there was there wasn't much uh, change at all. I mean, it seemed like nothing was getting done, and it should have been getting done. Okay. No, thanks for call. I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess that's the fundamental thing. I, I mean, my knee-jerk reaction would be, I, if if you want to figure out why Republicans lost control of the House in 2018, why Scott Walker lost the election, well, you, regard you you look to the guy who's in Wisconsin today, and that's Donald Trump, because I mean, what you saw was an incredibly motivated electorate. Um, in this case, it was people who were motivated on the left that were going to turn out and they were going to vote. And in this case, they decided to get vote against. They wanted to send a message to Donald Trump, and they wanted to vote against you know anybody that had an R in front of their name. Which is why I, I think you saw such incredible turnout in Dane County that Walker ends up losing by thirty thousand votes, and that Republicans in swing districts you know lost. I don't know that I don't know that there's anything that Paul Ryan could have done to to change that. So I think to blame Ryan. That is unfair. 414-799-1620. Tom in Milwaukee. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tom. Uh, I'm a longtime uh, Wisconsin resident, but the last several years I've lived in Florida for most of the year and four months in Wisconsin. Uh, I do have to tell you. Are you still, I'm kind of curious. Are you a Florida resident now? I am a Florida resident now. Okay. Take that tax break, huh? (laughs) Exactly. Got it. The, uh, the, The thing that's interesting to me is my friends down in Florida are not big Donald Trump fans, but they did vote for him right. uh, because they like that he's getting stuff done. In the same token, they like Paul Ryan, but they're very disappointed at his lack of getting stuff done when he was Speaker of the House. So if it's a popularity contest, I think Paul Ryan wins hands down. But when it comes to accomplishments, I think you got to give the nod to Trump. Now, of course, in, in fairness... During the vast majority of the time that, that Paul Ryan was the speaker, um, Barack Obama was the president. So it, it's not – it was only those last two years when, you That's know, the correct. Republicans controlled the, the House and you, and you had – you know, because, I mean, Ryan – Congress passed all sorts of things. The House passed all sorts of stuff, and it went nowhere because Obama was the president. Um, it, it is true that those last two years there were problems – other than the, the major tax reform, I mean that was one of the big accomplishments. But yeah, they they couldn't they couldn't get health care reform done. They couldn't get immigration reform done. You're right. So, okay, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. We're going to continue this for one more segment because again, the president is in town this week. This is a uh, Paul Ryan is a local guy. There is a major league, you know, wedding match going on between the two of them. All right. What's Paul Ryan's legacy going to be? If you're on the line, please hold on. We're going to continue the conversation. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Hey, coming up in a couple minutes, we're going to talk about something called the Milwaukee Slide. You ever heard that? You know what that is. You do, you do not. 
I, I don't either. It's you know every once in a while. It, it's why it's worthwhile to read the local newspaper for something other than just like the coupons. It, it's I didn't know a couple of weeks ago this thing that was called the Gore Line. Didn't know what that was. That's in, the Journal Sentinel had a story about it. That's that as you're merging onto a freeway, there's this white line. That's the Gore Line. You're not supposed to be able to merge into traffic until you've crossed that white line. Well, this is the Milwaukee Slide. We're going to talk about that in just a couple minutes. Right now, we're talking about the legacy of uh, Paul Ryan. Who you know you want to talk about a local boy that that from money perspectives you know made good successful I mean a couple decades in Congress chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee Speaker of the House failed candidate for Vice President of the United States but can I see a show of hands how many people out there ran for Vice President of the United States you know as the nominee of one of the major parties it's even if if you and Mitt Romney didn't win it's it's really tough. To say, oh, what a what a failure that is! Um, but now there's a major league, you know, wedding match going on between President Trump and Paul Ryan. Mark in Oconomowoc. Mark, thanks for waiting. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. How are you today? I'm good. What do you think the legacy of Ryan's going to be? Well, I, I think his legacy is going to stem to one: Does really anybody listen to Donald Trump when he makes these tweets and makes these comments? I really don't think anybody really gives it a lot of weight. And the only thing on Paul Ryan is. You know, I think his party, the Republican Party, when they were attacked by Donald Trump, I think they looked to Paul Ryan to maybe be more aggressive in the defense. And mm-hmm. I think even in the, when the president attacked the Democrats, I think Paul Ryan, with his role, still held some responsibility to try to get peace and order. And I think that will be his biggest downfall. But I agree. He, I think he is a good guy. But... Yeah. As far as a legacy, I don't think Donald Trump is going to impact his legacy. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, right now there's a lot of storm and fury, and, and I understand right now you have people who, you know, have to, I mean, thanks, Nicole, have to, like, like almost, like, choose sides and things. I, I think at the end of the day, and and I, I think, you know, if you were honest, if, if Ryan were honest, I'm sure the, the last the last two years of his term, the first two years of the Trump administration, I, I know he was frustrated. They were able to get tax reform done. They weren't able to get entitlement reform done. They weren't able to get health care reform done, even though, I mean, the House did pass stuff, but you couldn't get it through the, the Senate. And I think that there was a frustration that, that President Trump, unlike other presidents who, you know, in many cases, the policies would come out of the White House. Let, let, Lyndon Johnson. Okay, Lyndon Johnson and his Great Society stuff. Lyndon Johnson was the guy that that actually developed a lot of the legislation, you know, working with, you know, working with Congress. President Trump wasn't somebody like that. President Trump was a, a big ideas guy, I guess. We we got to get some sort of health care done and then kind of dumped it into the lap of, of Paul Ryan. And they weren't able to they weren't able to get anything done. I think Ryan would tell you that that was a frustration and that was it, it was a failure is it fair to attribute that failure to Ryan, though? That's what I wrestle with. I, I got to tell you, I think ultimately, I think 5, 10, 15 years from now, I, I think Paul Ryan's, I think his legacy is going to be fine. I And there, there's no question in my mind, if Ryan had run for re-election in 2018, he would have won with 65% of the vote. He could have had that seat for as long as he wanted. But I, I, I think he was, in fact, frustrated because he and President Trump are such completely different people. And 
his style and his Ryan style of trying to get stuff done was was not consistent with what President Trump's style of getting stuff done was. Russ in Milwaukee. Russ, you're on WTMJ. Russ. Okay, let's try Mark in Heartland. Mark, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Great great topic. I've known Paul Ryan for years, too, because I volunteered through the Republican Party. Hell of a great individual, decent human being. His, His wife as well did a lot for the state of Wisconsin, represented his congressional district for years. Yep. Well, when I think he got to be Speaker of House, which he turned down once previously and then accepted it reluctantly, um, he seemed to be kind of a fish out of water. And I, I think he missed a chance to be the Republican Party's rising star. His legacy will be he's an excellent human being. He did as good as he could have. Mm-hmm. He wasn't all that good of a Speaker of the House. He wasn't a Newt Gingrich. He wasn't a Tip O'Neill or some of the great ones, but he mm-hmm. tried. He was somebody who was going to have a good legacy, but I'm hoping he comes back out of the woodwork because, in my opinion and many other people's opinions, he could have been the next president of the United States. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You, you can always go back and look at woulda, shoulda, coulda things. If if somebody, if a Republican other than Donald Trump had, had won the nomination, uh, a more what I'm going to describe as a more mainstream Republican, a more status quo type of Republican, and, I'm, and, and, and I understand that that's a lot of people don't like to hear that. But if it had been, you know, one of those other people, I wonder, I, I, my sense is things would have turned out differently because my sense is Ryan would have been able to build a better working relationship with someone that. I think he was just able to communicate with better. I, you know, I, I just think he and Trump were just such totally different people that, you know, one was from Mars and one was from Venus, and, and they just probably did have trouble working together. Very true story, but let's hope he, let's hope he comes back when those kids get a couple of years. Yeah. The, the guy had everybody smiling that ever ran into him. He oh, yeah. definite principles. He believes strongly in America, loves his country. If you've known him for a few years, there probably is not more decent human being, and he he can still be. Oh yeah, he's a young man. Generation yeah. uh, Republican, or look at it better, a new generation American president. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, I just, just I, I, and that's that's how I hope I hope Paul Ryan is viewed. I, 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 you know, I agree with you. I, you know, people have to remember he he turned down the speakership of the House on a couple occasions. He didn't want it. I think if you were to put him under oath, maybe you don't even have to put him under oath, I think he would tell you that his his favorite time in Congress when he was was when he was the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, which writes tax policy and things like that, because the guy is really, really smart, but he's also really, really wonky. And he's got this amazing command of, of numbers and the operations of the federal budget and stuff like that. And I think he was always much more comfortable with that because he had a very, very clear vision than trying to, you know, deal with a, a, a fractured Republican majority where you've got the 20 or 25 members of the Freedom Caucus that, you know, are kind of way, way, way to the right. And then you've got more moderate Republicans. In many respects, it's the same problem that Nancy Pelosi is having right now. Now, we haven't talked a lot about this on the program, but we will at some point in time. You know, you've got some of these new firebrand ultra liberal congresswomen, you know, the Alexandria or, you know, Ortez, what Cortez, you know, whatever. And, and they're, you know, they're out there and they're just taking shots and they're, you know, at the at the speaker. 
And it's it's one of these things where it is kind of like trying to herd cats. Well, you know, Nancy Pelosi has them. Paul Ryan had the Freedom Caucus, and some people that say, well, you know, you're you're a turncoat if you you know give anything away and try to negotiate. And I think President Trump made it um, you know more difficult for that. But I hope his legacy, I hope his legacy after things settle down, two years from now, six years from now. Ten years from now, I hope he's remembered as 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 a solid congressman, somebody who did their best for Wisconsin, and somebody that you know we we should have been proud to have represent us. Let's talk to Lewis on the South Side. Hi, Lewis. Hi, uh, um, Paul Ryan's legacy is going to be a nice guy, a smart guy, um, but it has so very little to do with Trump. Like you said, he only worked with Trump for two years. Um, People are disappointed. Um, some people even go so far as to think he's two-faced, being nice in one way, um, but yet he's having these little arguments with Trump over how Trump talked, but yet he ignored Hillary's very unethical actions, uh, Obama's actions. He gave up these huge budgets, these omnibus budgets, and he just didn't fight for us. Um, this guy that was supposed to be so good with math and, uh, you know, was trying to reform um, our mm-hmm. enrollment programs, just failed terribly at, at ever accomplishing any of that. Well, and I think he would tell you that. I mean, I, I think he would tell you that one of his biggest disappointments was that he, he couldn't get entitlement reform. You just couldn't get people to agree. He, he, right. He couldn't even get close. Um, no. And, and it, it was such a disappointment for most of us. And, uh, I, you know, I, I wish he could have gotten somewhere with it i really do yeah no th- thanks for calling i mean I, I i think i think paul i think congressman ryan would tell you that okay now here's a text that says why is it that pelosi has always been able to get the democrats to vote together and the republicans can't boehner couldn't do it that was the predecessor to paul ryan and, and neither could ryan well there, there is an element to that now keep in mind also in fairness in talking about paul ryan with, with the exception of the last two years he was the speaker of the house when barack obama was the president there was lots of legislation that got passed through the House that would have achieved a lot of the objectives that I think would have made a lot of Republicans happy. But it went nowhere because there was a period of time there where the Democrats and during the Obama years where the Democrats controlled the U.S. Senate or even if you had Republican control of the Senate, it was very, very close. And you, you had Barack Obama as the president. So conservative legislation talking about, you know, major reforms of, uh, you know, okay, you could pass the legislation repealing Obamacare. Obama wasn't going to sign that. He just wasn't. Now, to the point of, you know, the you know, Republicans not being able to agree, yeah, it, it it is a frustration. It was a frustration for those first two years for a lot of us where you had a Republican-controlled controlled Senate, you had a Republican-controlled House, and you had a Republican president. It was the opportunity to get stuff done, and yet, you know, they couldn't they couldn't work it out. And I don't know if it's fair to blame Paul Ryan or to blame Mitch McConnell or to blame Donald Trump or to say to everybody that, that that's the case. But it, it was missed opportunities. It was missed opportunities on immigration reform, something that we desperately need in this country, and entitlement reform. Their big accomplishment was tax reform, which is great, but there was so much more that could have been done. I just don't think it's fair to blame Ryan for all of that. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
So Grew, who is producing the show today and always. Alex Acosta, the Labor Secretary, he has resigned. Do you feel better? Is is your life better now that Alex Acosta has been run out of office? I mean, I... I mean, I guess so, but I wasn't really too familiar with him until no. any of the story broke right, right, anyway. So. Right, exactly. I mean, that, that, okay, here, here's my take on this. You know, at some point in time, don't we need to stop the witch hunts? Look, I, I don't care about Alex Acosta one way or the other. I really don't have a horse in the race. But, but, but here's the deal, if you haven't been following this. The, the guy is a long-serving sort of career civil servant in certain respects he's he's occupied over the years he held four appointments during the bush administration high level department of justice positions okay um he's been on the national labor relations board you know everybody i think would say this is a pretty good decent guy right this this isn't somebody that's you know has these huge scandals or anything like that it's not somebody that's got you know this gate or that gate or some problem it's a guy who has what you would look at and say a very very respectable responsible career and and now because i guess people want to take down donald trump okay he now finds himself having to resign i mean if you haven't been following the story here's the deal there is this billionaire financier named jeffrey epstein who goes back to the, the 80s, okay? He was he was a New York City business developer, financier. He palled around with Trump um, and a lot of other, I mean, it wasn't like they were best friends or anything, but they palled around together because they, they were the New York developers. Epstein was a friend of Bill Clinton. They jetted around to all sorts of different places. And Epstein was a playboy. In addition to being the billionaire playboy, he was also a sleaze who, you know, he liked young women. And by I say liked young women, I mean children. You know, and, and, and there's no there's no justification for it. Guy was a major league sleazebag. And a lot of people knew it, including a lot of the Hollywood phonies who embraced him. Right. So what happens is Acosta, this would be the labor secretary, he's the, the, the government-appointed United States attorney. In South Florida, back in like 2000, he served there from 2005 to 2008. During his tenure in the U.S. Attorney's Office, they did really impressive things. They brought down cartel kingpins. They prosecuted all sorts of, um, you know, white-collar criminals. I mean, it was really, there's lots and lots of successes. And at one point in time, they get involved in this investigation. A couple minors had come forward and said they'd been sexually assaulted by the sleazebag Epstein. All right, so the state is investigating, the feds are investigating. They ultimately cut this plea deal where Epstein pleads guilty to state charges, and he does like 13 months, and he has to register as a sex offender and pay fines, etc. All right, people like John Chisholm cut deals all the time. And you can argue, is it a good deal? Was it a bad deal? It, it seems like it was a, it seems like it was light, but I don't know all the different concerns they had in 2005 with the witnesses and whether they'd be able to secure a conviction. I mean, yeah, you, you look back at a plea bargain 12 or 13 years ago and said, okay, maybe they might have been more aggressive, but it's not like, it's not like there were bribes paid or anything like that. It was an exercise of discretion. And like I say, you look at stuff that goes on in Milwaukee County on a daily basis, and I'll tell you there's lots of questionable exercises of discretion. So anyhow, this is something they do years and years ago. Acosta goes on, and now he's the labor secretary. All right, well, Epstein, the sleazebag, he gets charged in New York 
with doing essentially the same thing he did in Miami, but this time with people in New York. Okay, fine, he's being prosecuted. Hopefully they convict him. Hopefully he goes to prison for a long time. But, of course, you know, who knows whether that's going to happen. But, but now the fact that you know, they cut this plea deal in 2005, and because, let's be honest, Acosta is a Trump appointee, the long knives were out. And the MSNBCs and the New York Times and the Washington Post of the world, they had to get the scalp, despite the fact that there's no evidence that there was any collusion or bribes or anything like that. If you want to look at that plea agreement, reasonable people can say, okay, it it was too lenient. They should have been more aggressive. But I will tell you, I will be able to look at the operations of every U.S. attorney's office in this country and probably every DA's office on a weekly basis, and I'll point to lots of plea agreements or sentencing agreements or whatever that I think are way too lenient. And you don't hear 10 or 15 years later somebody saying, okay, well, now you you can't serve as the labor secretary because 15 years ago you signed off on on this deal. There's just something that fundamentally strikes me about being unfair about this. So now Alex Acosta is gone. Okay, fine. I have to appoint a new labor secretary. I I guess is the world really any better place because we've trashed this particular guy? All right. Jeffrey Epstein, should he be in jail? Absolutely. You know, should the Hollywood elite who embraced him after he did his time in Florida, should they be ashamed of themselves? Absolutely. Should we be questioning, you know, why Bill Clinton hung out with him or why Trump hung out with him in the 90s? Absolutely. But, okay, Alex Acosta is gone. Again, I don't care whether he's the labor secretary or not, but it strikes me as just being fundamentally unfair. And it makes you wonder why anybody would want to serve in government nowadays. Well, Jeff, do you want an appointment? Well, I don't know. I cut a plea deal with somebody in 1984. I don't know. Maybe somebody's going to come back and say that was a bad deal. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, crew, who's producing the show today and always. <clears throat> I, I got some pressure tonight. It's it's not like this normal relaxing Friday night. It's I got some pressure. Had had to matter of fact had to write down on a four by six note card like like for a four word reminder to me, which is don't pick or scratch because I, I'm going to the ball game tonight and I think I mentioned this the other day. If you ever go to the ball game and you um and, and you see people are this, and you see a face that looks familiar it's it's Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management who's had these tickets forever and he's got front row seats just right right down from where the Brewers owner sits Mark Atanasio and you see Dave on TV every once in a while uh, when they pan like the Brewers on deck circle and all and I have uh, it, not only is Dave a friend of mine not only do we know each other I used to do money talk years ago and I'm also a client of Annex Wealth Management I say that all the time I love the work they do and I've been teasing Dave for a couple of years hey what do you got to do who do you got to know to get those tickets and so finally I think in an effort to just make me go away um, he, he, he offered me the, the tickets and so tonight Fran and I we're she's going to be front row Franny we're, we're going to go see the we're going to go see the Giants game tonight looking forward to that so if you happen to be watching tv and you say hey who's that 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 guy there you know with the really attractive blonde well it's me and it's me and my wife uh so we're going to go check that out but again that's the thing that knowing that you're occasionally going to be on tv it's not constant because you're not caught by the the center field camera but there is a little bit of pressure there it's kind of like okay don't pick or scratch you know just you know don't don't want to see that becoming like the freeze frame on somebody's facebook page oh there's the guy from the radio that's 
That's that's it. So, okay, no compromising positions or anything like that. Hopefully the Brewers will able to be turn will be able to turn it around. I think the Cubs are probably the most disappointing team this year, but the Brewers as far as underperforming for the first, you know, half plus of the season certainly fit that category as well and I don't get the idea I could be completely wrong but I don't think they're going to make earth-shattering moves I I think you know maybe they they might try to pick up another starting pitcher or something but you're not going to see I don't think something like a CC Sabathia type of move they're counting on players that they thought would perform better to perform better and there's always that possibility. There's also the argument that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and being surprised when the results aren't different. So, But it doesn't change the fact, huge Brewers fan, the, the second, again, it, it's a little bit more than halfway done. But, you know, they've got as good a chance as anybody to win the National League Central and get back to the playoffs. It's just they need to start playing better, and hopefully that starts tonight. Okay, I, I said this in the last hour of the program. Every once in a while, I, you, you learn things by reading the newspaper. For example, a couple of weeks ago, there was a column that was in the paper talking about, and it was columnist Jim Stingle who was talking about he got pulled over for crossing the Gore line, G-O-R-E, and he had never heard about that. And I admit I hadn't heard about it either. That's that, as you're getting on the freeway, you know, and you're merging, you know, you're going on the ent- the entrance ramp, and you're merging into the, the traffic. So you're heading, for example, north. There, there are two white lines that form like a triangle. Uh, the, that's the Gore line, and you're not allowed to cross the solid white line until after, you know, after it becomes a spotted line. If you do it too soon, you, you've committed a violation. Now, they don't really enforce that unless they're out looking for drunk drivers or something like that, but, but that was the Gore line. Now, you have something called the Milwaukee Slide. And there's a story in today's paper about that. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, I'll tell you all about the Milwaukee slide and whether you violate it or do it. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. So the Journal Sentinel does this. They, they do a survey a little bit late to the game, but better late than ever. Something we've been talking about for a long time on this program. The whole idea of reckless driving and dangerous intersections and just how crazy it is out there. And so they survey readers asking for different complaints and problems. And one of the things that a number of people mention is something that is referred to as the Milwaukee slide, which I I have never heard of before. But the Milwaukee slide is a phenomena where you use what they call, you slide into what they call the Milwaukee lane, which is drivers using bike lanes or parking lanes to pass cars on the right. So, uh, for example, right outside our studio, you're going down Capitol Drive, There, there's a bike lane. And the bike lane is kind of wide enough that, you know, at a certain point, you could pull into that lane and, and you could drive so you could make the right turn at the intersection to get into our studios. If you were inclined to do it, you could do it fast. You could do that. Um, similarly, similarly, up and down Lake Drive, they have, you know, now they have these bike lanes. And I guess under the right circumstances, you could, you could dive to the right. And that's apparently called doing the Milwaukee slide. And you could, by using the bike lane or using the parking lane, you could drive through and you could get past a car and then you kind of theoretically pull back. I 
I've been thinking about this, and I found it interesting that a number of people have been complaining about it. But, you know, I see this a lot. And I guess I, I hadn't really thought about it. I'm more sensitive to these things now because, as I've been telling you about for like the last year or so, I, I've, I've gotten back into bike riding and I've got my e-bike and we go out and they do these things. And I'm very, very sensitive, especially as somebody who's new new back to bike riding. I mean, I rode bikes when I was a kid, but I'm, I'm new back to like bike riding now. And I'm very, very leery of, of being in traffic and things like that. But, you know, since I've been doing that, I really have been noticing a lot of that. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand that there's a lot of pet peeves that are out there with regard to the way people drive and a lot of irresponsible things. But but this is a problem. There's no question about it. Do you see this on a regular basis? And is this something that's dangerous not only to bikers, but also to pedestrians. You know, I mean, you're getting ready to kind of step out. You look for the bicycle. You don't expect to necessarily see a car that's going to be coming up in the bike lane or whatever. So it's referred to, I guess, colloquially on social media as the Milwaukee lane. Pulling into it and passing is called the Milwaukee slide. Um, I didn't know it had a name, but you know what? I see a lot of it. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's see, Lisa says, there's also a different name for it, um, but I don't think it's politically correct. Well, all right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is this, this is it an ongoing problem? I see it. I see it a lot. And again, especially from my perspective as somebody who's starting to ride bikes again, I'm very sensitive to it. Samantha in Greenfield. Samantha, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Samantha. Yes, I think that it's good that they have the bike lane now, specifically, you know, marked for bike lane, because a lot of the streets are, you know, there's cars parked in, you know, off to the side on the bike lane. Right. A lot of people that are coming fast and want to pass on the right, they'll do that. Then they have to, like, either speed up, slow down, almost cause an accident to get over, um, you know, just because there's no bike person in that lane. So I think right. it's, it's just, you know, abide by the rules kind of thing, and that's that's not a car lane. It's, it's for bikes, and right. that's it. Right, right, exactly. And it shouldn't, I mean, thanks to call, and it, it shouldn't be that tough. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess I, I'd particularly be interested in talking to some of you who ha- have been biking for a long time. You know, every spring, we have at least one conversation about, you know, the, the interaction between bikers and cars. And people, you know, who drive cars say, oh, you got these bikers that are whizzing out in and out of traffic and they're just accidents waiting to happen. And you also have a lot of people who are in boat bicyclists, you know, bicyclists who are talking about how they take their life in their own hands because you have cars that aren't paying attention and things like that. And they're opening their doors without looking. This I mean, I got to imagine if if all of a sudden I'm riding in a bike lane on the right and suddenly I see that there's this car coming up behind me. I mean, that's a situation where I think you have, you know, red flags going up all over. Plus, 
when you got people that are in the bike lanes and inevitably, or the parking lanes, and inevitably what happens is you come into that parked car, they come up to the parked car, and then now you got to suddenly get to, you know, over into the main lane of traffic. It's amazing there's not more collisions. Kathy in West Dallas. Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, besides being scary when you're out there driving and having people dr- passing you on the right, it's also illegal to cross those solid white lines. And the ticket right. is fairly significant. And I think they, if they would start enforcing it and, and getting some of those collected, they probably could hire a few more police officers. Because it's, it, my husband had that happen to him, and it was like, this was 30-plus years ago, and it was like 120-something or 140-something then. Right. So they right. could... No, no, it's it, no, it's. It, 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 I mean, obviously, look. There, I, I'm always sympathetic to the police because even if you're being aggressive with traffic enforcement, I, I understand you, you've got people routinely driving 80 miles an hour and 30 mile an hour zones and swerving in and out of lanes. You've got people running red lights with impunity. So, I understand that there are. There's only so much that you can end up doing. At the same time. It It is a danger, and it's something that I think people need to pay attention to. Jeff in Fox Point says, I see it a lot on Port Washington Road and Fox Point. It's very annoying. Even as a driver, it can become confusing. I've even seen people parked in bike lanes. Yeah, you see that as well. So I guess it's one of these other things that, you know, when you see that bike lane, um, it's for bikes. And when you see the parking lane, it's for people to park their cars in. It's not for you to drive in, and it's sure as heck not a passing lane. What's so hard to understand about that? This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Pop Culture Corner It's going to be a fun one this week. It's coming up in less than 10 minutes, so stick around. All right, there, there, there's two stories I just wanted to mention quickly before we, we transition into that. One of these is these stories, and I guess it's like you, you need a license to catch a fish, but but yet you can have people who are completely and totally morons who are allowed to own other forms of pets. This is, And again, I, I understand I come at this from the perspective of somebody as a pet lover, who, you know, views my little dog as a member of the family. Now, have you heard this story? A golden retriever died near Lambeau Field Thursday morning. Some idiot locks the dog in the car. Now, it's hot outside, okay? It's hot outside. This is finally summer in Wisconsin. So you have some idiot who parks their car in the parking lot at the Packers Pro Shop up at Lambeau Field. They lock their golden retriever inside the car with closed windows and leave. They say they left the dog for three hours. Who leaves a dog in a parked car in a parking lot in, you know, in 75 or 80 or 85 degree temperature 
for three hours. I mean, who leaves the dog unattended for any period of time? But what sort of person does that? So anyhow, that the police are called. Unfortunately, the dog is dead. Dog, you know, died because of the heat stroke. They take it to the animal hospital. Um, they found the dog's body temperature was too high for the hospital's thermometer to read. The person who did this is apparently a 55-year-old Lawrence woman. She's now going to be charged with felony mistreatment of an animal causing death. Now, some people might say, well, it's only a dog. Or some people might say, well, what do you gain by prosecuting this woman, you know, for a felony? She's 55 years old. Look, all right, that dog was essentially tortured. When you leave it in a car, a hot car, unattended for several hours, and yeah, you should be prosecuted, but moreover, if you're that uncaring or you're that stupid or you're that reckless, you shouldn't own a pet in the first place. Leaving the dog unattended for three hours, my goodness. All right, here's the other story. Sun Country Airlines. Mom gets on a plane with her toddler. She had bought the plane tickets through a like a third-party thing, and the two are supposed to be sitting together, okay? The mom sitting next to her toddler. They get on the plane, and it turns out that there's some screw-up. The tickets aren't together. The plane is not full. The woman says, okay, I, I, I need to sit next to my toddler. I can't let the kid there. Flight attendant says, 75 bucks. Mom says, what do we mean 75 bucks? $75 up front for you to switch seats so you can sit next to your kid. And the woman is saying, well, there's empty seats around here. What, what do you mean? I don't have $75. And then this, you know, it just, it, the debate kind of goes viral. Ultimately, another woman who's in a seat and there's a seat empty next to her says, tell you what, you can have my seat sit next to your child and ends up giving it up. But the Sun Country flight attendant was saying, no, unless you pay the $75, you can't sit next to your kid. Sun Country says, uh, we don't know where she got that information or why she did it. But you see, a lot of the times and a lot of the stories that go viral and a lot of the bad customer relation stories, they're, they're just easily solved. Right, woman on a plane, there's obviously some mix-up. You don't want her three-year-old son sitting by himself anyways. Put the two of them in empty seats. Let them sit together, for goodness sakes. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by New Femme Rejuvenation Clinic. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 414-799-1620 to get on the show. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. Let's have a little bit of fun on a Friday afternoon, 74 degrees. Going to be going to be a hot weekend. Going to be hot next week. You will never, ever, ever, ever hear me complain about it being warm in Wisconsin. This is the kind of weather that we wait all year for. All right. Earlier this week, uh, Rip Torn, who was just a great character actor, um, sort of an interesting personality, he passed away at the age of 88. Maybe you don't necessarily know that name. Rip Torn, if you watch the Men in Black movies, he played the the boss of the organization um, where Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Tommy Lee Jones worked for. Uh, that's you know he, that was his role. His most famous role, though, and this is it's a show that doesn't get as much attention as it deserves. He played a character called Artie on the Larry Sanders show. Larry, the Larry Sanders show. Uh, aired on HBO for about six years. It ran from 1992 to 1998, and it, it was a takeoff on the Hollywood industry. It was kind of a takeoff on The Tonight Show and things like that. The late Gary Shandling portrayed 
Larry Sanders, who was sort of a middling TV talk show host, and Rip Torn portrayed Arthur, who was the the producer, and he was kind of a the character was modeled on Freddie Dracova, Freddie Dracova, who used to be the producer for Johnny Carson and The Tonight Show. And it was it was just if you've ever seen this, this is television at its finest. I, I have all six years of the Larry Sanders show on um, on on DVDs, and every once in a while I go back and I watch it, and it's it's just like Jerry Seinfeld. It the show makes me laugh, and it's just there's great characters, but to me. To me, the character of Arthur, created by Rip Torn, that's one of the three or four greatest characters on TV. And I could describe, I could go on at great length as to why I think this is so perfect, but it's just, it's a, it's a perfect character and it's a perfect portrayal. Well, in any event, Rip Torn passed away at the age of 88 um, earlier this week, and I was thinking about Pop Culture Corner. Uh, brought to you this week and every week by New Femme Rejuvenation Clinic. And I was trying to think about, okay, you know, what can we talk about? And, And I thought we'd focus on television this week, have a little bit of fun. I want you to think back on the great characters on television. And I'm not necessarily talking about the actors, but I'm talking about the characters that these actors portrayed. And it can be in a drama series, can be in a comedy it could be, you know, pretty much in, it could be in a limited edition series. But when you think about the the greatest television character ever, the one that just pops in your mind, and I would argue that, again, I understand the Gary, that, you know, the Rip Torn character didn't get as much exposure as some of the people on, you know, network TV for years and years, but he created a great character. He created an incredibly memorable character for television. So let's have a little bit of fun. Let's test our TV knowledge. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For Pop Culture Corner this week, the question is simple. What's the greatest TV character ever? Could be male, could be female, could be drama, could be comedy. The greatest character ever, the one that pops into your mind. And as I always say, please call early because our phone lines tend to jam up. And don't overthink it. Normally, you go with your first instinct. That's the best. The best character ever. We are back to have some fun and discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Gru will get you lined up. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by New Femme Rejuvenation Clinic. Now back to take your calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. All right, this is going to be a fun one. 414-799-1620. All right, in honor of the late, great Rip Torn, who I think had one of the great TV characters of all time, the producer Artie on the Larry Sanders Show. If you haven't seen it, you really should go back and find it. It's great TV, six seasons of it. All right, who's the best TV character ever? Let's start with Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're first. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Good. Carol O'Connor, Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker. Um, transform- actually, yeah, transformative actually- character. Yeah, I mean, number one, he broke a lot of barriers. But number two is, I'm not sure he was really acting. I mean, he was like, he was, you know, he was, he was himself. <laughs> well, well it was, I. It was unbelievable. Well, you know, thank, I mean, well, see, Carol O'Connor, I, for people who forget, I mean, All in the Family was this transformative kind of TV show. And I think maybe you look at it now and people think it's dated. It was. 
it was different back then. You know, ba- back at that time, CBS, and that's the na- network that, that aired it, CBS, they had the Beverly Hillbillies, and they had Petticoat Junction, and, you know, Green Acres, and those sorts of things. And then all of a sudden, all in the family comes along, and you've got this, like, blue-collar, what was he, a bus driver or something like that, or wh- whatever his job was, and not bus driver, but whatever his job, particular job was. And then, you know, you had the, the, the liberal son-in-law and the background and all these types of things. And Carol O'Connor really inhabited that that role at a, a later point in life. 414-799-1620. Jeff on the south side. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Uh, I would have to say Ralph Krim. The great Jackie Gleason. Yeah, I, and uh, I don't know what's in the calls today, but when uh, he asked me and I said Ralph Cramden, he goes, oh, and what's uh, the yeah, I'm sorry. You're, I'm sorry. Your phone kind of breaking up. Yeah, uh, Ralph Cramden, of course, the the great character played by Jackie Gleason on The Honeymooners, which was really you know part of the the golden age of television. Had to love it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Tim in Greenfield. Hi, Tim. Best TV character ever. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Good. Um, I would have to say Cliff Clavin, the one and only. <laughs> From from Cheers, you know, not not the main character, not Sam, not Diane, not you know Rebecca, but but yeah, the the know it all kind of guy at the end of the bar, the postal guy, Cliff Clavin, yeah. He made Cheers. He and Norm, those two characters. I, I mean, I think in many respects they were the show. Now works for me. Thanks for the call, Cliff Clavin. Can't complain about that. Let's talk to um, let's see, Doug in Milwaukee. Doug, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Doug. I have to say uh, Lucille Ball. I love Lucy. Yep. Again, you talk about a transformative TV show. Um, there was just nothing like that on TV until you know they they created that show, and right. I, I, I mean that, that I mean that it's probably been on the air for what sixty plus years, maybe more, and it's still right. people still laugh at it. New generations know, of kids still, find that every day. Still entertaining. Yeah, so entertaining, you know. I, I mean, if, thanks for going. What a, by the way, what a perfect cast. You know, you had Desi Arnaz, her husband, and you know, in real life for a while, and then you had you know Fred and Ethel Merch, Merch, Mertz, William Frawley, and Vivian Vance. Um, just great. I can't argue with that. Richard in Milwaukee. Richard, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Richard. I uh, I loved that Larry Sanders show. Also, wasn't that great? Great show. Um. One name popped right into my mind, and then another one popped right after. The first one was Louis De Palma from um, Taxi. Danny DeVito on Taxi, yep. Yeah. And yep. right after that, Arthur Dietrich on Barney Miller. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I wasn't I wasn't as big a Barney Miller fan, but Danny DeVito, you know, and it's interesting you should mention that, you know, who played who played the guy that ran the cab stand in Taxi. He's also, some several people are sending me texts. He's also a character on a show, you know, um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and people love him. Danny DeVito is just a great character actor. There's just no, he's just a funny guy. No, thanks for call. No question about it. Um, yeah, Louis De Palma w- was was just an incredible character. Some people, if you're thinking about Taxi, might also say the Andy Kaufman character, Latka, but I'd, I'd go with Louis de Palme instead. Sean, who is calling us from the freeway. Hi, Sean. How you doing, Jeff? Good. Are you, hey, you, it says I-43. Are you going northbound or southbound? Oh, southbound. Okay, so Trying you're, to. okay, so you're not stuck in the big northbound traffic jam right now. Uh, I'm stuck in a big southbound traffic jam. <laughs> okay, good enough. Favorite, best, the all-time greatest TV character? Several came to my mind, but number one, J.R. Ewing. 
Larry Hagman, Dallas. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. people don't, you know, it's funny. I don't think people nowadays, with all the different TV channels that are out there and stuff, I don't think people realize what a big deal Dallas was, you know, when it was airing, you know, back in the 1980s. People built Friday nights around watching Dallas and, and watching J.R. Ewing. Absolutely. Now, Larry, you know, Larry Hagman was great in that. I just, I mean, he just, it was, it was the villain. He was a villain, but you, you found, you wanted to root for him. It was just, you, you know, the, the long suffering, uh, who was the guy? Cliff Barnes was the, um, was the, the, the good guy and who was always plotting to try to overthrow J.R. And J.R. always just kind of came out on top of Cliff Barnes. It was kind of like, you know, the, the roadrunner and the, the coyote. And, you know, I, I guess, this was one where J, uh, you know, Jr. was really the coyote, and he always came out ahead of the roadrunner. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Diane in Oshkosh. Diane, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Dan. Thank you. Ernie's fight. Oh, uh, um, yeah. I mean, sure Don Knotts. Yeah. How could you go wrong with Don Knotts? I'm not sure I would watch the show, but he just made me laugh the minute I saw him. He, he was just an early interesting character oh you no question about it. no thanks for calling you know it, it's it's interesting i was reading uh, i i have an eclectic tastes i was reading a book on on the making of the the andy griffiths show uh, a little while back and and kind of the story is in the beginning the plan was that andy griffith was going to be the co- comedian he was going to be the kind of okay the the sort of like uh, the, the funny the, the the funny character was the sheriff and things like that. And then they saw Don Knotts. And what they realized is the show works a lot better if if Don Knotts, Barney Fife, is the comedic foil and Andy Griffith is the straight guy. And so they kind of changed the whole thing around. And, you know, it, it really made that show special. Um, a number of people are saying Cosmo Kramer um, from, from Seinfeld. Uh, you know, and I think... You know, you, you want to look at it, and I, I think there's an element to that because, for example, what's his last name? Michael, the guy that played the guy that played uh, Kramer, Michael, whatever. The um, he he's gone on and done nothing, really. You know, nothing since he played Kramer on Seinfeld. But you know that that whole story that. He made that show without Kramer, and without that Kramer character, um, it's nowhere near as good. Scott in Brown Deer. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how about Hawkeye Pierce by a- Alan Alda? Alan Alda. Yeah, I mean, he he was he was mashed. That mash show, you know, you watch the movie, Donald Sutherland played the character. He doesn't do anywhere near as good a job as Hawkeye, as, as Alan Alda did. True enough. Yeah, no, I great. Were you a big fan of mash? Absolutely. Actually, my father got me started on it. Uh, he was a, a veteran of the war, and uh, mm-hmm. he, he took very big interest in that. So that and uh, the one uh, about the flying guys back in the, even older uh, okay. was Robert Crane. Oh, uh, well, okay. Well, Robert Crane was Hogan's hero. So I, uh, but yeah, thanks for calling. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say her. I wouldn't. I, I was always uncomfortable with Hogan's heroes. I, I, I never. I just never got setting a comedy in a Nazi prisoner of war camp. But but it was successful for a number of years. Let's talk to Christine in Jackson. Hi, Christine. Hi, how are you? I am well, thank you. Good. The first thing that popped into my mind, I'm a child of the late 70s, early 80s, Arthur Fonzarelli, Happy Days. Henry Winkler. Um, love it. Henry Winkler. Have you visited the bronze Fonz statue down here? I have. <laughs> and considering... 
years later when I found out him to be the total opposite of that character when oh, yeah. he was in real life. Um, but, oh, yeah. oh, I loved Happy Days. I grew up on that, Laverne and Shirley, and based in Milwaukee. Uh, Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and, and the creators, you know, Gary Marshall, you know, from from here originally. You no, know, thanks to you know, I, and and the, the Fonz. And again, it's I always hate to date myself here, but that was Happy Days, and its heyday was such a huge show as well. And Henry Winkler as the Fonz was just the absolute definition of cool. All right, Rob in West Allis. Rob, you're on WTMJ. Yeah. How about uh, Magnum PI? Tom Selleck. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yep, the guys wanted to be like them, and women like them too. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that right, that that was it. It was like, okay, you, you, yes, that's exactly right. You, you, everybody wanted to have that big estate in Hawaii, and you wanted to run around and solve all those crimes and get all the pretty women, right? Right, exactly. No, it worked for me. No, thanks for calling. Great, great character. Number of people from more recent vintage are, are mentioning Brian Cranston as White Walter White in Breaking Bad. And I, I do think, you know, Walter White is definitely an incredibly iconic TV character. By the way, I mean, I, you know, it, it's a tribute to Brian Cranston, who I don't agree with him about his politics. But, I mean, here was the guy that played the dad on Malcolm in the Middle, and then all of a sudden he becomes this, you know, meth-dealing monster on, on Breaking Bad. It was incredible. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm running a little bit of late, a little bit late. Let's see some of the others. Leonard Nimoy, the Spock character, Archie Bunker, Jack Tripper um, from Three's Company. Yeah, absolutely. All sorts of great ones that are out there. Um, bottom line, Joe Friday from Dragnet. Oh, that's a, the Jack Webb character. That's a great one, too. That's the bottom line is it's always fun to me to think back on the TV shows and to think back about not just the actors, but the characters that were created. And so I wanted to do this, again, kind of in recognition of the passing of Rip Torn. If you get a chance and you ever stumble upon couple any of the Larry Sanders show, give them a chance and watch them. And I'd say watch them from the beginning because if you just kind of come in in the middle, you're going to go, what's this all about? You watch you watch the series, and it's great TV, and it holds up today just like it did 20 years ago. This is Jeff Wagner. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please hang around.